Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Smackdown Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of Friday Night Smackdown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Smackdown but also Raw, the show formerly known as NXT Tupac. Oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete. A quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick. Look ahead to SmackDown tonight. And, well, considering we didn't have a chance to do it last week, I suppose this is a chance to talk about all the fallout from WrestleMania for the blue brand. I also would love to, I don't think we've had the chance to talk about one of the best matches of WrestleMania weekend, that being the IC title triple threat match. You loved that. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we talk a lot about feeling and not thinking, and that match just felt so unbelievably special as it unfolded. Not to do the victory lap things, I think podcasts podcasters who do that are just quite insufferable, <laughs> but I had a suspicion that it was going to operate as a triple threat match perfectly, not just because of the talent involved, but one of my least favorite aspects of that match is when the uh, two of the wrestlers take turns to have a singles match and someone who's taken a move from which they would ordinarily recover in, what, 30 seconds, yeah. spends about two minutes on the outside, and it's all very contrived to make one thing happen. With the level of physicality that these lads can distribute, I was all too prepared to suspend my disbelief of, of course he's selling for two minutes on the outside. He's just taken that off Gunther, of all people. The saves, the timing of the saves was so acute. The various showdowns were so great. It was just such a propulsive match that just built and built and built. Like, gruesome physicality in terms of drama. It just, it was relentless. And my biggest takeaway from it, right, is that if you don't like WWE, it's not necessarily because of the wrestling. Mm. It's not necessarily because of the scripted promos. It's the entire presentation. It's getting your hand held by the commentary team. It is like the... It's Michael Cole screaming for me. Yeah. It's Michael Cole screaming. He will never... It's like the Vic Joseph thing. It's like they are so desperate to tell and not show something. And they are so desperate to tell you that what you're watching is intense and epic. And it's this horrible Triple H plague on this product. And 
every, like 99 times out of 100, when Michael Cole is screaming, I just hate it. And I dislike him as a commentator. I don't care if he's, what, 8% more relaxed. <laughs> There's still 100% exposition. Yeah. The match was so good that I finally realized, right, he can justify screaming his head off because I'm kind of doing that internally. Mm. He was, for once, a, a compliment to the match and didn't detract from it from me. Because when he was screaming his head off, I was like, I'm screaming too. I, I felt at one with Michael Cole. That's how great that match was. Um, was that on a tightest on commentary as well? Was, yeah. Wasn't it? He was having a great that. time. Yeah. Um, and they all <laughs> seemed to organically... Um, stand up and applaud after the fact, and it was just deserved. Like, the fans were completely on their feet. It was just a perfect match, a perfect triple threat match, which is really hard to pull off. I would say probably the best triple threat match I've ever watched. I'd have to go back and watch the 2015 Royal Rumble. I loved the, oh, yeah. the, the, the narrative hook of Cena and Rollins just having to work a warp speed singles match the second they got Lesnar through a table because it's like, he'll get us if we don't get each other, so let's just... Amazing stuff. Absolutely amazing. I loved WrestleMania 39. If it did the right finish, it would have been the best WrestleMania ever. Yeah. I, I The thing I, I thought as well, with the, and the Gunther thing sort of similarly applies with the, in terms of the Brock stuff as well, is so often you have a really enjoyable triple threat match, like you say, with the trappings of, you took a DDT and you're down for five minutes. What's going on here? I think the thing I liked as well was the finish. Because Gunther's this unstoppable guy, like it wasn't, oh my God, He's managed to hit the brogue kick, and uh, he's going to pin so-and-so. Oh, but Gunther's come in and stolen it. Gunther just came in and killed both guys, and it was just like, you can pick either to pin. Yeah. He's not stealing this. He's just he's just unbeatable right now. So I was going to ask you, can anyone stop him? How, how do you think they do this going forward? Is it a case, you know, that they had last week on the show, they had the Brawling Brutes versus Imperium again, because, well, to be honest, that's just a load of fun to watch. I love those six guys getting into it. Longer term, maybe even money in the bank with the fact it's in the UK, which is sort of Seamus's backyard. Is Seamus the guy to beat Gunther? Does Gunther just relinquish the title and go after the world title? We've got a return in Shinsuke, which we'll talk about in a short while as well. How do you stop Gunther? Um, or what do you, how do you book him, I suppose? Ultimately... Gunther has done an absolutely impeccable job with his Intercontinental title. Some might even say it's the best reign of all time. I think that it's certainly up there, and I'm not trying to fall under the spell of nostalgia. If you look at his hit rate in the ring, no Intercontinental champion within one reign has reached the heights of that no. WrestleMania match, nor at Clash at the Castle. Um, it felt more special. First of all, you're living your lovely, innocent life as a child, and it's the glow of the WWF, and that can't ever be sort of... That can't evaporate in your mind because it was just such a special time um, when you're watching it in the late 80s and early 90s at that age. Um, and the Intercontinental title is a special place in the hearts of the people who were struck by the wrestling and not just by the stars because it was the contrast mm. to... It was the Intercontinental title was the thing that, fans and realized I'm really into all of this and it's not a fad for me because if you like the wrestling you're kind of hooked for life and the IC title of your sort of embodied that um, so it is special for a lot of people and it worked in contrast to a lot of rubbish um, at the top main event scene so it did benefit from a curve whereas now 
in-ring quality, we've reached a saturation point, really, where it's so good that it can be boring. So it won't have that special allure that it used to have, the IC title. So if you kind of forget about that on its own terms, like for like, measure for measure, it probably is the best IC title reign. It mm. feels like invincible. It feels like it's going to be an event when he eventually drops it. They've got two options. You can't relinquish it because um, that just makes everyone look weak as piss. Yeah, it undercuts the whole thing, doesn't there it? There are two options, right? You either, and it has to happen at some point, because I think Gunther, as good as a IC champion as he's been, he's ultimately too good for a belt that rewards the best wrestler. I think that he's got way more of a main event aura to just sort of be marginalised. He's my pick for the Rumble this year. He should win or it. Or next year, sorry. He should be, they should, he's the one of the best wrestlers of all time. He's amazing. He should be on the top of those cards. Um, this is a great platform for with which he can do that. But there are... T- so you have to drop it at some point, and relatively quickly, because he's just amazing, and I want to see more of him <laughs> in a more featured role. There are two approaches here. You either build someone new, and God damn it, they really start needing to build new talent. We've been here for years. It is getting a bit better. There is no longer a massive reliance on part-timers, but you, know, you, you do need more guys in there. So you either build someone new and allow Gunther to fail upwards in like one of the few examples that's vaguely you can it's a good good and a bad version of everything. I say this all of the yeah. time. Darby Allen is currently kind of failing upwards and that he dropped the TNT and now he's in the world title picture. But it works because he's amazing and the rain was so good, just as it will work for Gunther here. Um you either build someone, I don't think there's anyone in in the NXT system, um or the WWE main roster who's good enough or worthy enough to take it off him um, because he's just that good. So you either do that or you go the sentimental route. Sheamus is, what, 45 years old? It's a great story. The fans are with him. He's more over than he's ever been. This completes his grand slam. And in sort of the WWE narrative, you can, if he wins that title, that cements his legacy as someone who wasn't just a nearly man, wasn't just a reliable guy for a really good match. He becomes like um, a something pitched between a cult favorite and a genuine WWE legend if he can complete this arc. So I think it'll do a lot for Sheamus, and the man has just battered, battered his body <laughs> yeah. to be where he is today. And I think I would go the sentimental route here. I agree. If there was like a fleet of great talent, um, who have been booked incredibly well in WWE, I would say, right, sentimentality is one thing, but you've really got to think about the future. In lieu of that option, I would go the sentimental route, put Sheamus over, Guy deserves it, and Gunther can then work Lesnar and Cody yeah. and Roman. Well, it, just, it kind of works well. Like You could maybe make an argument for someone like a Bron Breaker coming up and being it, but it's I... It's not I, him. Yeah. He hasn't done anywhere near enough for me. I understand that... Sorry, I know I'm no, no, no. talking over you. Um, you can argue for, I'll argue against, I guess. He's too patchy. He's mm. delivered far too many three-and-a-quarter-star matches in a four-star-plus world. And if that's a very message-board-pilled way of approaching it, does he have the... Name one great... Bron Breaker promo. You know, he just it's not him for me. It would feel very much like they're telling and not showing. I don't think he's earned it. Very niche this for the NXT audience. For the one person who I think like, oh, let's not rule him out just yet. 
Duke Hudson. <laughs> Not Duke Hudson rules. It's so good. But yeah, I agree. I think the right way to go is is Seamus. I think there's also a way of like setting it up of of like because he's they're obviously still doing stuff now. Money in the bank is what two and a bit months away. Um, so there's a way where he maybe has a title match on on telly if you wanted to go down this route. It's just not an option. And maybe says, rather than if I don't win at Money in the Bank for the IC title match, if I don't win there, I'll retire or I'll leave WWE. No one will buy that. I'll never fight for the IC title again. And it's like the one thing he's wanting to achieve or whatever. I think there's, yeah, there is a lovely a storybook ending for this that works for both men going forward. I would do a retirement step. Really? I would absolutely do. Now that, I, now that you've kind of planted that in my mind i would do a retirement step for this because you kind of protect gunther in defeat because sheamus will be the character you can position him as like never being more motivated mm. to do something whereas gunther doesn't quite have that same motivation level and a clean win you could protect gunther prepare him for that main event role purely because Seamus has everything to fight for, and of course he's going to enter the greatest performance of his career, and they can talk about that on commentary. It's like, well, Gunther, it took a man fighting for his entire career and legacy just to beat him narrowly. Yeah, it's cheesy and corny, but sometimes that's what actually WWE does best. In the interim, you could legitimately have heel Drew McIntyre, right, turns on Seamus, says, oh, if you look the footage back, I actually had the match one, even though both of them had kind of moments in that match. Um... They fight, really brutal match at Night of Champions or whatever it's going to be. Kick kick the granny out of each other, basically. And then Drew helps Seamus train, like, goes back. I don't know what's going on with Drew, to be perfectly honest with that contract situation. But, like, Rocky-esque with Apollo Creed, like, helps him train to finally overcome Gunther. And like you say, then Gunther can go on. And you're like, well, why don't you fight for the title at SummerSlam? Well, that's where I'd put it on Cody, and meanwhile, further down the card, Gunther's facing Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Because, just give it to us, WWE. Uh, another person, I suppose, who could challenge Gunther, who I think already has, but he's gone away, so he's like fresh lick of paint, is the returning Shinsuke Nakamura. He's back on TV, allegedly, tonight. Is he? Uh, November 2022, last time we saw him. Obviously, he went off and did the great Muta stuff. Um, oh, which took a six-month long match. Yeah. <laughs> he, um... I, look, I'm a sucker for his entrance, and then I have to be honest, I sort of go, oh, it's this Shinsuke, it's not the Shinsuke that we saw in NXT or whatever. Or New Japan. Or New Japan, obviously. Um, but it, as with all, anyone, when they go away for a bit, it's... it's. I, I always say this when people get injured, I would never wish an injury on anyone, but there's so many wrestlers in the WWE locker room that I'm like, just get like a six-month injury. Yeah. Because it's... It's a nice, a, easily surgically repaired yeah. injury. It doesn't half rehab there. Because, like, he'd kind of done everything, Shinsuke. And he was just sort of knocking about and doing a little bit of stuff and then doing a bit of, like, Gunther stuff. Because I thought they had a potential of, like, Gunther runs through all, not all, but a lot of former IC champions. And then they just sort of went, nah, I'm not doing that. I don't care about Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, it's it's been difficult to invest in anything he does. As you say, it's so stop-start. I think he's sort of received the message transmitted to him that he's not really a player and they don't care about him that much. And he's sort of accepted his lot and decided to make some money and surf, as yeah. the cliche goes. Um, it's He's reached a point now 
where it seems unfathomable that he's been in the company for as long as he has. Um, seven years. It's ridiculous. Like, what wow. has he accomplished? A lot of incredibly forgettable three-star matches. It's so weird. Um, staying in there for so long has tarnished his legacy. It's almost impossible to remember that he was great. My approach to Shinsuke is that I will never believe he can be good. I will await his performance level, his motivation level, his booking, and I will prepare to be pleasantly surprised. I have no stakes. I have no stake in the game that is Shinsuke Nakamura at this point. I barely remember that he exists, let alone how good he used to be. I will wait, and I will let it play out, but it's pretty much he's done. Is there, and I realize, you know, you, you having said that, I know your answer to this, but in terms of, in, in the eyes of WWE, is there a way that they say, he's back, it's Shinsuke Nakamura, we can give a big bombastic presentation of him, he could be a fun interim challenger for someone like Roman Reigns, because we all kind of know he's not dropping the title until uh, Money in the Bank or more than likely SummerSlam. Or WrestleMania. Or WrestleMania, yeah. He's, 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 whatever happens now, he's hitting 1,000 days. Okay, we're in a loop here because I recall around about this time last year, they were after he had this gauntlet run on February, and I was reliably informed February last year, and I was reliably informed that was his sort of launch pad for superstardom, and they did nothing with that. And then I'm sure they threatened... Nakamura is his WrestleMania backlash opponent yeah. for about a week, and then You're they right, and yeah. then they said, "Oh, actually, no, he's nowhere near the star. We'll just do a six man instead," which is some indictment of him. So, uh, again, I can't take him seriously in any role whatsoever. I will wait and see, but it's just not happening. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. 
in terms of someone who is due a push post-WrestleMania, uh, I didn't get to see him over WrestleMania weekend because WWE inexplicably didn't put him on either night of WrestleMania, along with Bobby Lashley. Uh, but Phil reliably informed me that on SmackDown, he was super over. L.A. Nair yeah. is in action tonight against the lovely Xavier Woods. I say that because if you haven't seen it already, please do go and check out either on our YouTube channel or it's available as a podcast right now. Uh, the great chat he had with Simon Miller backstage at Wale Mania. Just two Really nice blokes having a nice time. And Xavier Woods, I'll put him over even more, not giving the stock wrestler answers. Like, I just love that. It just, you know, it makes it so much easier when they're not just towing the party line. Like, he's like, I could have done stuff with Roman Reigns. I was king of the ring. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. You're a banging theme. And they did now with it. Anyway, Xavier Woods, LA Knight. LA Knight has been tipped to get this post-WrestleMania push. Is this the start of it for you? And, and, and does he deserve it? Um, I like Xavier Woods. He's one of those universally liked figures. Um, what can you do? I think he's been stigmatized now in a certain role, and fans enjoy him in it. But I don't know. He's like a cult favorite and a massive star at the same time yeah. because the New Day was so big. But I just feel like the trappings of that act—it's finally like a bit dead. Mm. Um, good person to springboard LA Knight into a. Oh, yeah, that's a He should be a pin-eating, sentimental favorite who is like sort of a mid-card gatekeeper. Feels weird to lower such a ceiling on such a talented, bright guy who's consistently shown an ability to really get himself over and who's very creative, has all these ideas, many of which have just been completely squandered. Um but I just think that the realistic approach here is that, as talented as he is, and I guess that it's a slightly better system than it was when he was King of the Ring, but who knows, Vince could just exert more power as the weeks go on. And just split the new day. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, aye. Knight will get the win here. The match will be fine. Hmm. And Woods will be in this role forever. Is Knight for you someone... It's difficult because he's, he's one of those people who, ironically, a bit like The Rock... Uh, works far better as a really arrogant heel-ish character, but in doing so, everyone is going along with his catchphrases and what have you. So do you position him as a sort of big first challenger for a new Cody? Do you still have, do you have him challenge Roman whilst he's still champion? It feels like everyone else is cannon fodder other than Cody when it comes to that world title. LA Knight versus Roman Reigns isn't a bad idea at all. Mm. I said when LA Knight as Max Dupree or whatever was first entering the main roster, people will like to say yeah, but they should have him depict him as a heel first so it doesn't feel too fandangoey. Good point. And they've done that and now he seems on the precipice of a face turn, or at least he should be, because he's over and the call and response bit is just like pretty big in the arenas and he's got this sort of um it's weird that LA Knight is the latest beneficiary of this. And it's weird that this even happens anymore, considering the, the the complexion of the WWE audience is so different. But there's like sort of a defiance that comes with LA Knight. They're trying to force the fans are trying to force WWE's hand and get them pushed. Yeah, and it might work. Um, by the that's actually maybe a little surreptitious thing that they did over WrestleMania. Like if we give them LA Knight at WrestleMania, people will be like, okay, that was nice. We got to do yeah, thanks for that. 
Whereas if we don't have him, people are going to be like, this is like Daniel Bryan all over again. Yeah, they're, they're, they're more shrewd than good. Yeah. They are honestly more shrewd than good, irrespective of who's in Gorilla. So maybe there is a, a merit to that argument. I, the thing about Elliot Knight is that he's kind of a perfect non-big show challenger for Roman because people like him, people gravitate towards him, that even if they don't think he stands chance in hell, they'll happily go along for the ride and chant for him and believe, I guess, with like a half heart, but he's over enough to do it. I love me some LA Knight. And if people continue to do the call and response at such a booming volume... WWE can work fans into thinking that he's really a main event level talent. It's that Schrodinger's thing with LA Knight. <laughs> is he a cosplayer or is he just, does he have similarities with people? What? I never know what that man's ceiling is. Mm. So, and I don't think a lot of people do either. And I think he surprised a lot of people because he was generic guy with great promo skills. And that was it for years. He's not. He's no spring chicken. Yeah, he was, he was so generic. He was used as motion capture, wasn't yes. he? <laughs> but now, I think with emotion behind him, his work looks less generic and more timeless, if that makes any sense. He doesn't do anything to stand out, but if fans are with what he does, it doesn't matter what the content of what he does is. I t- Find out the guy's ceiling, for God's sake. Yeah. Promote him as a star and see if it catches on. Yeah, I do feel like it's going to be a good year for, for LA Knight, whether it's a title match further down the road, uh, or maybe Money in the Bank. He's someone you could easily see carrying that briefcase, although I did see someone Photoshop it onto Logan Paul recently, and I thought, ooh. But the best one's obviously Dominic Mysterio. It's always Dominic Mysterio. Yeah. He's the he's the best. Um, speaking of Dominic Mysterio, Rhea Ripley. Because, of course, when it, comes it. To, when it comes to I will factions, um, the best way of describing how those two are associated, especially with the likes of Finn Balor and Damian Priest, is, um... They're in the f***ing judgment day, and I'm on the other side. (laughs) It's now punctured my vocabulary that if I see or hear someone say the other side, I have to audibly say, the other side. And Louise made the mistake of the car yesterday, talking about something at her work, which is obviously actually serious, you know, proper work. Uh, and she said, yeah, yeah, um, bit of a nightmare at work today because uh, we were trying to do some stuff and the files got corrupted. They have been corrupted. They have been corrupted. She was like, I wish I'd never said anything. <laughs> uh, but in terms of Rhea, um, a mandatory title defence, i.e., Here's someone you know is not going to beat her. It seems that they're going that direction with Zelina Vega. They did the whole LWO Judgment Day stuff. And as part of that, guess who got into it? Zelina Vega and, and Rhea Ripley. It feels a, it, it, not as exciting as Bianca Belair, Io Sky on the other side. That being the red brand. But yeah, perfectly fine first start of title defense. I, I like Zelina Vega. I think she's been uh, underutilized within WWE as just a manager. She's not a wrestler for me. Not for you, not for you, Jeff. Not for me, Jeff. She's not a professional wrestler. She's exceptional at a role that I have no idea why WWE doesn't embrace. How like Julia Hart's actually improving, but she's so great as a valet. Mm. She's amazing. Um, I, I the ceiling on it makes sense, I guess, for them to do it. These two characters are embroiled in a wider conflict, and it just makes sense. I'm not a guy who likes, ah, makes sense that. I love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, I just don't get that um, 
like line of thinking. It makes sense. The match won't be very good. The end. Yeah, it is like you look ahead, you're like, okay, backlash, Puerto Rico, Bad Bunny, probably going to get some sort of weird tag match or maybe six-man involving Santos because he's been great, I think, since they've done the whole LWO stuff. Um, yeah, Bad Bunny, Ray, and Santos potentially versus Damian, Dom, and Finn, for example, could, could just be an absolute banger. Um, and then in the meantime, oh, that ties nicely into it. You've got the other person yeah. who's part of the LWO, but we all know it could be... I mean, I'm just glad they're not, they've not run it back against Charlotte Flair because we all know Rhea Ripley's retaining and probably holding that title until next yeah, year's yeah. WrestleMania because she's, she's there's no one even close to her on arguably on either roster. I love Bianca Belair, and I think she's incredibly talented in the ring, but in terms of, like, world champion presence, or the presentation, I should say, because no, she's got a presence Bianca's, as well. Bianca's got a presence about her, yeah. and I love that entrance, obviously, she got against uh, Asuka at Mania, but there's, there's levels to this game, and Rhea Ripley's at the very, very top, isn't she? She is, and Triple H is doing nowhere near enough to encourage anybody else to get on that level. There is... There's someone on Twitter who wrote this, and I can't give them credit because their name escapes me. But they made the point that too often in professional wrestling, it always feels like it's entirely the booker's fault if a talent doesn't get over, and we need to start being a little bit more um, exacting in our criticisms of wrestlers who just simply don't meet the required standard mm. or simply don't get over. And it's hard in WWE because it's they are they have so little control over what they do. But Triple H does deserve a kick in his presentation of wrestlers. He's got this weird, terrible habit of just people existing. It's a mm. similar thing with Vince. Like sometimes people just exist on his program. I don't know if it's the match results, the lack of a great entrance, um, just a lack of just promotional nows to make people feel like stars, but he's so guilty, like Mia Yim, um, Candice LeRae, they just exist. Yeah. And the thing is, I know Candice LeRae has the ability to get over. She got over in the work rate league of the 2010s to, like, a massive degree. Great babyface alternative to Rhea Ripley is, like, you know, like, that could be a SummerSlam match. He if you geekifies right, people. Yeah. He geekifies people Triple H. Like, she used to be such a plucky, spirited badass but now she's just a geek because Triple H has got a big geekifying problem. <laughs> so I... It's astonishing to think, and I know this isn't the real, uh, this isn't the Ronda Rousey, I should say, of her rookie year. Astonishing to think you had a, a roster which featured Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, and Ronda Rousey, and you didn't have Ronda work with either of those two. You had to do, you know, no offence, but stuff with Liv Morgan and Charlotte Flair. And it's like, well, Charlotte Flair stuff we've seen before. And as much as they tried to be like, she's bloody crazy, she loves pain, she does. Like, no one was going, oof, I think Liv might nick it against yeah, Ronda yeah, here. Yeah. So. No, one, no one in the world. Uh, finally, let's talk about the overarching thing on everything. The bloodline, of course. Yep. Um, it happened on last week's SmackDown. It spilled over into this week's Raw, and it continues tonight. Matt Riddle. Um, I like the fact that they've continued this storyline. Again, a very low bar of, like, they've remembered what happened before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Matt Riddle wants revenge on the bloodline. He's aligned himself with KO and Sammy. And, you know, this is a bit like the disingenuous uh, WWE fans when AEW does something and they go, I just don't understand it. Why haven't you not explained this? Well, like, anyone who says, like, why, why is Matt Riddle team with KO and Sammy? Because KO and Sammy hate the Usos and the bloodline. 
and Solo Sokoa tried to kill Matt Riddle yes. to write him off, basically. Again, it makes sense. I don't like it. Yeah. I can't deny that it makes sense that they've crafted something and they've brought back a popular figure. If I did like Matt Riddle, I don't, um, then I would be all into this. Um, but I just don't. Do you think this is one of Such those... Such a talent, but I just can't like him. Yeah, see, I'm a huge fan of Matt Riddle in ring. Is this one of those things where... I don't know. Sometimes, you know, we, we talk about... You and I have speculated for, for a long time about how AEW sometimes does a little bit too much of this. The almost the Eric Bischoff. Matt said, forget your scissors. Huh? huh? I'll say it again so people must not have heard me. No, no, they just don't know, yeah. Eric. Um, so do you think stories more like this rather than all locker room problems are the, the WWE audience are more widely aware of it? Because obviously he's been off with injury. That's not the full picture here. Do you think people, you know, the, the wider WWE audience will be aware of that? Or do you think they're just like, oh, he's back and he does the bro thing? If the wider WWE audience were aware of and gave a toss about uh, Matt Riddle's life outside of the ring, he would not have got over as much as he did yeah. as, as part of RK Bro. Um, I'm done with the bloodline. It was just, it was finished. It was finished. Cody Rhodes should have won that goddamn championship. Why can't they book a world title reign as a baby face? <laughs> it's like, on one level, this is the house that Hulk Hogan built, right? This is the house that um, Steve Austin rebuilt. They can't do a Hulk Hogan reign because it was a house show monster success before the TV got really weekly and episodic. Um, but... There are so many examples in recent history where companies had great periods, even resurgences with a babyface champion on top. Yeah. Um, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, even though he played situational heel at times because the Japanese crowd psychology favors the underdog, they're not going to gravitate towards the champion. As soon as the bell rang and Tanahashi won, they respected him and they loved him and he was a babyface. AEW, John Moxley's pandemic reign was amazing. Mm. Like, it can be done. And I hate so much those carnies, carny Paul Heyman, trying to sort of insult my intelligence with this sort of, I know best. Look, I know he knows more than me, obviously. But I hate this carny explanation where it's like, well, where do we go from there if he wins? Well, you book, you book <laughs> a good babyface world title yeah. reign. I've seen one million of them. I've seen loads of them. It can be done. The idea that well, where do you go? Well, you're going to go there eventually, so yeah. don't tell me this at yeah. the moment. Um, I think it was the wrong call, but I'm maybe a little bit more lenient as a more of a WWE mark to let it play out. And I think Riddle could be another interesting interim challenger for Roman Reigns of like, you tried to end my career, and I'm going to come and get you. And then, uh, who knows, that's maybe another way after that, rather than Riddle just losing and going, oh, that's that. Maybe that's to coincide with the return of a Randy Orton. I don't want to suggest that necessarily if he's not well enough, but obviously, hopefully, the reports that we're hearing, it does seem to be trending in that direction. Um, so I am willing to let the Cody Rhodes storyline play out of like, oh, you know, what's the line from the song? Hard times breed better men or whatever. It, uh, is there the thing? He's got to finish the story. Da, da, da. I think the right decision was probably putting the title on him at 39. It's not completely done, but uh, hey, 1,000's a big number. That's what, who cares? I do like the fact that it's uh, there's a weird bit of me, the sort of OCD in me of like, Night of Champions is 1,000 days of him as champion. Oh, 
really cool coincidence. Like, <sighs> it's just dates and times, Adam. Steve it's just Austin numbers. was the biggest star they've ever had. Can anyone tell me how many days he reigned yeah, as champion? Good point. Because to be honest, it's not even that long. No. Not he didn't have that long a reign at any point. It didn't matter. This none of this matters. And it's my two problems with the bloodline are thus. WWE doesn't have an evil heel authority figure. It unwittingly presents itself as an incompetent organization (laughs) by failing to ban the bloodline from ringside. I think the Usos were banned from ringside at the 2022 Royal Rumble, the match against Rollins. Guess what? They still had a rubbish finish. It was still inconclusive. The idea that this can happen all of the time, in addition to being really dramatically redundant at this point, how many times can a ref get bumped? It's so contrived. (laughs) And... A competent and fair promotion would have done the cage match. Obviously, WWE can't do a cage matches, but I'm talking in a theoretical way here. It's just, it's reaching NWO levels of, oh, we could do something bold and new and different and, and gratifying instead of this, but it's still lucrative, so let's just keep pushing it, and we know how that ends. Yes, good point. I'll let it play out, but uh Yeah. Clock is ticking. Look, I'll tell you what, I will I don't know what I'll do. I'll praise them. That's what I'll do. Yeah. If they can get an atmosphere as hot as they got in SoFi for Cody Roman at Mania, then I'll be I'll be made a mug of and I will admit it on main. There you have it. Well, let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed. Your thoughts ahead of SmackDown tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Why should they can follow both of us? You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Me and Sidgwick will be back later on today to preview AW Rampage. Uh, and, of course, you've got WrestleCulture with the hashtag BloodyGoodQuiz coming your way later on today as well. But for now, this has been the SmackDown Preview. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we... See you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.